Hello, everybody. How's everyone's vocal cords doing right now? Everyone feel good? Everyone feel like you can contribute to a little bit of karaoke? That's how we're going to kick off. That's how we're going to kick off. Um, my, uh, I'm, all, I'm all clogged up, so uh, <coughs> you're all going to have to help. You're all going to have to contribute. And um, what we're going to do is we're going to play a little game here. You'll see a, a slide will come up. And it is the complete the song lyrics. Now, we've got, we got some options for people. Uh, I recognize there's different generations in the room. There's different uh, tastes in the room. So I've started off with my favorite of the three things I'd like us to, um, to sing. So what I'll do is I'll sing the, uh, I'll do my best to sing the first few lyrics. <coughs> Please be gracious with me. I have a better voice than what you'll hear today. And then... When it comes to the blank line, I need as many of you as possible who, can, who know the words or can click what the words could be to go for it. If you leave me hanging, I'm prepared for it, I'm braced for it, but I would love a little bit of contribution. So, are we ready? And this has a point, by the way. This has a purpose. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> it's the Backstreet Boys, by the way. Here we go. Are we ready? Oh, let's see if we can get the right key here. Now I'm nervous. <clears throat> I don't know what he does to make you cry, but I'll be there to make you smile. I don't have a fancy car to get to you. Boom, whoever that was, well done, well done. To the rest of you, shame on you, shame on you, because you are Backstreet Boys fans. You are Backstreet Boys fans. So you never heard it. Rubbish. 1997, amazing. Um, to get to you, I'd walk a thousand miles. Okay, let's try the next one. Let's see. Uh, I'm not going to sing it. If I could fall into the sky, do you think time would pass me by? The music video was a girl on a bus, okay? Because you know... A thousand miles. If I could just see you tonight. Okay, last one. Uh, that was Vanessa Carlton, by the way. Vanessa Carlton. You guys remember that from the early 2000s. Um, this, I think it's a little older. It's a band called The Proclaimers, right? I would. And I would. It's actually 500, but 500 plus 500 to be the man who equals 1,000 miles to fall down at your door. Okay. All these songs, what they have in common is, obviously, number one, people walking great distances, as you've heard. Um, now, in our modern age, you know, who just, we, we worship romance. They've all obviously got that romantic slant. There's not many songs that make the radio that aren't about love and romance. But all of them are singing about an expression or a demonstration of love. There's a commitment, there is a desire, and I would even say, in their minds, rightly or wrongly, um, all these artists are singing about a necessity. I need, to, I need to do this, I need to display something to you, I desperately need to be with you. And as we continue today our Advent journey uh, in the Gospel of Luke that we're going to finish uh, next Monday, what we're going to see is something of, of what we sung about here together, some of us. Um, we're going to see it displayed in Mary. We're going to continue to track Mary's story like we started last week. And hopefully the big idea is that we would recognize as Christ followers our need, our, our big, big, big need for spirit-filled community. 
and, um, and you'll see the links and why, and why we've done this beautiful singing thing together. But let me just recap. I know not everyone might have been in the room last week when we started our Advent uh, series. Uh, this is what you missed. The angel Gabriel came, visited Mary. Mary uh, was a virgin. She was betrothed to a guy named Joseph from the royal line of David. Um, and Gabriel said to her, you are going to give birth to the Messiah, to God's son who's going to come. He's going to deliver humanity from sin. He's going to rule as king of Israel and the world forever. There's not going to be an end to his kingdom. And she then asked, hey, how is this going to happen? I'm, I'm, I'm a virgin. And Gabriel said to her, no, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and he's going to miraculously cause you to become pregnant. Um, and actually, the Holy Spirit has already visited your elderly barren relative Elizabeth, and she actually also has fallen pregnant, and her son John is actually going to be the one who's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And unlike Elizabeth's husband, when he heard the news from Gabriel, um, he, didn't be- he didn't believe it. Mary had the complete opposite reaction. She believed Gabriel that actually nothing is impossible with God. That was kind of the big take-home of last week, and, and she offered herself up at the end of that story to have her life in the hands of God, offered herself up to the will of God, um, who at that point now had just radically altered her life script. And now we're going to pick up the story in Luke 1, 39 to 56, so you can read with me. In those days, after Mary had heard this, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, her relative. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And then Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servants. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. And he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. This is God's word to us this morning. And um, we're not going to go into detail on sort of that second half there, Mary's song, because that would need a complete other sermon. But what I've done is, you've got a printout. I hope everyone's got a copy. Um, and it is, this is, this is for you to take home. And it is 17 things that Mary's song that we read about there says about God. And it's just a beautiful thing to just ponder on and meditate upon Mary's spirit-inspired, theologically rich insight into who God is. And so this week, I encourage you as we build up to Christmas, go and, go and read through that song 
um, that Mary sings there. And then just go and consider these 17 things. Use that as a, as a prayer tool, whatever you want this week. That, that is, that's our little gift to you. Um, <clears throat> but just for context sake, in our story here, the distance that Mary traveled, this is the link, uh, to get from Nazareth to the region of Judah was somewhere around 100 miles. 100 miles. Translation, it's 160 kilometers. And you've got to remember, this is a pregnant teenager who's traveling through the heat of the Middle East 2,000 years ago, likely a lot of it on foot, as she walks along dusty roads that are full of danger. I mean, you remember the story of the Good Samaritan? That's exactly the area that she's going to be traveling through, through Samaria to get to Judah. Um, and that story is all about bandits and robbers knocking people over on the, on the journey. This was a dangerous, long journey. And the point I'm trying to make is Mary made a serious commitment here to, to get to her relative Elizabeth. And so what I want to do now is for our time, we're going to explore the following. We're going to look at <coughs> two reasons why it'll come up on the screen now, why I think we need each other as Christ followers. There's plenty you could throw up, but there's two that I just want to highlight today. And then if... If we bank that, if we believe that, if we see the value of that, then there's three things that I think that we should seek as his people um, in light of this being a necessity and three things we can give ourselves to. And so let's jump in. Two reasons that we need each other as those of us who are Christ followers. Here's the first one. Very simple. No one else gets it. No one else gets it, okay? In our story, you've got Mary. Put yourself in her shoes. She's a super normal, average girl. She's been met by an angel of God. She's been told a message of great news that she doesn't need to be afraid in, in God's presence, that she's now found favor with God. And she's told about the supernatural power of God, how it's been at work in her relative Elizabeth, performing a miracle inside of her. And then she herself experiences a miracle, new life being created inside of her by the power of God. And the first thing she does after hearing this in the story is, is she makes a beeline for Elizabeth, travels 100 miles to go and find Elizabeth and seek her out. Because Elizabeth, in many ways, is the only other person who's, who's going to get it, who's going who's who's to get the experience that Mary has just had and is having. We don't, we don't read about her even going to Joseph here in Luke's account. No, she goes to the one person who has experienced what she's experienced. And Elizabeth and Zechariah, like her, are also country folk. They're of humble estate. But God is at work in, in their lives in the same way that he's at work in, in Mary and Joseph's life. And can I just say, is this, is this not exactly what it's like to be Christians? This is not exactly what it's like. No one else gets it. We are, we are average, sinful people who have found favor with God because of his mercy, the mercy that he's shown us in the person of Jesus Christ. We've accepted the supernatural power of God, the supernatural events of Christ's death on our behalf because of our sin, his supernatural resurrection back to life, defeating sin, defeating death. And when we first trusted in Jesus, the Holy Spirit came and made us alive spiritually in our hearts, inside of us, took residence in our hearts, and now there's new life at work in our hearts. It's what it means to be a Christ follower. And people who don't know Jesus, maybe you're here today, let's just be honest, you, you don't get that. 
Other people don't get this. They, they, think it's, they think it's a bit weird. They might think we are a bit strange. I totally get that. That's totally fine. They think what we believe is a bit crazy. That's, that's fair enough. That's 100% fair enough. And maybe you're here today. Maybe you are visiting. Maybe you're not a Christ follower. Maybe you joined us last week for the journey. Maybe you just joined us today. And you've thought some of these things, okay? And that's okay. As I say, I totally get it. And, and maybe you're more open than you, used, than you used to be because for whatever reason, you, you, you're here today, you're sitting in this, this venue, you're listening to me talk, um, but maybe even still, as you're sitting here, you'd acknowledge that the Christian faith, it's, it's still quite a lot. It's still quite a lot to take in. And, and that's fine. At this point, I just want to say, we are glad you're here. We're glad you are with us. But, but this is why, Christ followers, we need each other. We need each other. If we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, if he is real, if he's at work in us if, he, us, if he's birthing new desires to love God, to glorify God, to say no to things that other people are going to say yes to, if he's working in us to wrestle with things that other people are just going to say we don't need to worry about, okay, if he's calling us to live lives that are going to look a little foolish at times in this world and might get us mocked or misunderstood like Mary was going to face, then it can be quite lonely at points. It can be quite isolating at points. It can be quite hard. And I'm sure many of us know the feeling in life, right, where, where just take it out of a Christian context now, put yourself in any context, where you find someone who um, you've, got a common, you've got a common bond with and they just seem to get it or they just seem to get where you're at uh, I mean, I'm seeing some Arsenal shirts in the room. Like, okay, there's a, I mean, look at Nigel. Nigel, stand up for a second. There's Nigel and I, we just get it. We get it. We get it. Um, and it's a beautiful thing. We don't need to, we, we, can just, we can just be with each other. And there's, there's, there's 20 years of painful history that we can just understand in a moment. And hope that we're, that, you know, we're just sitting on the edge of. But you guys know those things in life where, where other people just didn't click just didn't click on the season you were in or the things you were going through, but you found someone who did, and it was just a beautiful space to be in. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. If we're Christ followers, we have an identity as children of God that runs deeper than relationships with parents, with siblings, with, with spouses even. The, the, the bonds of relationship for those in Christ objectively run deeper than any other bonds in this world. You might not always feel it, you might not always recognize it, but that is the truth. And that's why God calls us to be very careful with who we partner with, with who we marry, because the, the reality of being united to Christ affects everything. It's something that just not in, anyone just can't just get unless you experience it. And so we need each other. We need each other because, firstly, no one else gets it. And secondly, doubt and discouragement are very, very real. Doubt and discouragement are very real very real. Did you notice what Elizabeth was saying to Mary over and over in, in her speech there? She was blessing her. She was lifting her up. She was encouraging her faith. She was praising her faith and, and God's blessing upon her. And look, I don't, I don't think Mary in this moment was, was particularly full of doubt and discouragement. That's not what I'm trying to say, but I think you and I can get there, and we can get there very, very quickly. Even after maybe genuine, powerful encounters with God, we can go low very, very quickly. And that's because as Christ follows, we've got a very real enemy. 
Satan is out there and he wants to do that. He wants to do damage. His sole purpose with regards to you and I is to discourage us and to plant seeds of doubt. And I just remember a story from my own life. It was about eight years ago. There was a church event. <clears throat> and at that particular event, I can confidently say it was the night that I most clearly heard, felt God speak to me. About four people gave me the same prophetic word, prophesied over me. I sensed God's hand upon me powerfully, him giving me some nuance to these words. And I'm talking like life-altering, trajectory-shifting stuff. Can never, it was never a night like that. And driving away from that event, like 30 minutes after all of that stuff, the thought just came into my head, sheesh, I wonder if I'm going to wake up in the morning and just think that that was all absolute nonsense, right? Like all, all in my head, just a complete coincidence, and it's all just a bunch of rubbish. Um, 30 minutes after I'm telling you, I claimed the, the most powerful experience with God I've ever had. But we need each other. We need to speak life into each other, to encourage each other's faith, to remind each other of who God is, of what he's done, to bring perspective to each other's lives, not just when, it's, when we're low, um, at all times, but because doubt and discouragement are very, very real. And so if you, would, if you would believe those things, if you would agree with those things, what can we do then? What can we cultivate in our lives? What, what are the things, what, what part can we play? What things do we need to seek? And that's what I want to just get into next now. <clears throat> three things that you and I need to give ourselves to. Here's the first one, kind of obvious really, is to seek Christian community, despite all the challenges that are going to come in the way of it, okay? I'll just read again verse 39 to 40 there. In those days, Mary arose. She went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, okay? I said it already. Mary, pregnant teenage girl, covered great distance. She braved danger on the road by herself. She could have easily just said, before she left Nazareth, she could have said, look, this, my heart is to go and see Elizabeth. It's a great idea. I know it'll be of like mutual benefit, but if I'm honest, it's just a, it's just a proper mission. Like it is a proper mission. <clears throat> you and I are going to find a million reasons and a million excuses and genuine obstacles and, and challenges to remaining vitally connected to Christian community. And let me just throw up a bunch and just chat to them quickly as we go. Um, number one, it costs time and money. It really does cost us time and money. It's going to cost you fuel to drive. It's going to cost you money maybe hosting people in your home and um, caring for people in a life group. Um, often comes with great sacrifice of, of, of individuals' time and money. You're going to have to prioritize it in your calendar over other things. It means, it means we're going to have to say no to other, other good things, other, other pursuits, other hobbies, if we're going to prioritize this and, and get to it. Be, be at church on Sundays, commit, connect to a life group on Wednesdays or Thursdays. Um, and I think if, if this is you, if this is a struggle, if this is one of your obstacles, I, hear, I, hear, I, want, I want you to hear God saying to you right now, see the priority of worshiping God through community with his people. See the priority of that. Be convinced by the priority. And then God's calling you right now then to, to recognize, recognize and repent of those things that you actually have elevated to a space of priority above 
God's people, above genuine Christian community, in your, in your budget, in your calendar. Find those things and see, actually, this has been put into place, that actually it needs, to, it needs to fall, and other big rocks need to take its place. It costs time and money. It, it does. Here's the second one. It can genuinely be awkward and uncomfortable. It can be awkward, and it can be uncomfortable in a multitude of ways, for a multitude of reasons, because we are different people, and it's going to be uncomfortable for you to hear someone else get vulnerable and share a bunch of stuff. And then it's going to be uncomfortable for you to open up and share your stuff. And it's going to be people who are very different from you, who find things, life, just very different from you. And that's going to get very awkward at times. And if this is you, if this, if this is one of your challenges to regularly being part of community, well, God's calling you to see that our faith is uncomfortable. Our faith is uncomfortable. We believe some uncomfortable truths about a God who went to an uncomfortable cross and has sent us as his followers on an uncomfortable mission. But all of that is just birthed out of love, is birthed out of love. And so God is calling you today to let love triumph over uncomfortableness in your life. Let love triumph over uncomfortableness. Okay, see the needs of others' faith, of their being blessed and encouraged. See that as bigger than your need for comfort. And repent of idolizing this thing of comfort and saying no to the things that God is actually calling us to. Two more. You could have a sense of either inferiority or superiority. That is a little bit of a blocker for you to commit to God's people. On the one hand, you might not feel like you belong and on the other hand, you, you might feel like you, you don't need to belong. Okay, they're two different things, but to, to, to both sets of people in the room, I think God is calling you to the same thing, which is this, to believe the gospel of Jesus freshly, to consider the gospel of Christ freshly in your life. Number one, if you're a Christ follower, you are not superior to anyone in this world, okay, because you are as sinful, we are as sinful as anyone else. And we are deserving of condemnation. And the only reason that we are not as depraved as we could be right now in this life, and we're not walking out all the sins that we could be walking out, and the only reason that we are believers in Jesus is because of God's grace. Is because of God's grace. Which means you and I have nothing to boast about. We cannot have a superiority complex and let that, let that make us feel like we don't need to belong in community. On the flip side, we are not inferior, and we should never feel inferior. We should never have an inferior view of ourselves compared to anyone else because you and I are so much more loved than we could ever imagine. That's the other good news of the gospel. God loves us so much. God loved us. Christ loved us so much that he died for us and he called us into his family. And we have no need ever to feel inferior because the king of the universe has called us and made us worthy in him. That's good news. That's good news. And if you are someone who has a sense of inferiority or superiority, believe the gospel freshly. Believe the gospel freshly. Here's the last one that you might find as a blocker. Sin. Sin. You might have a guilty conscience. You might have fear of what God's people will say to you because of some, some sin that you are obviously living in and you know it and they know it. And the thing is, sin produces 
foolishness in our thinking. The Bible tells us over and over again. Romans 1 makes that super clear. And what that does then is it causes us in our sin to then go and hide from God and hide from others. Which is the truth since the beginning of the Bible when Adam and Eve hid from God and they made fig leaves and they, they hid in the bushes. And if this is you, what I want to call you to right now is to remember that God is kind. Paul writes that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. The fact that we know on the other side of us owning up to our sin, God will meet us with grace and mercy and kindness and compassion and forgiveness. And so what I want to call anyone here to who might be feeling that sin in your life is the thing that you know, if you're honest with yourself, is actually keeping you at arm's length from Christian community, repent of whatever that is. Repent of whatever that is. If you, are, if you are with someone that doesn't love Jesus and you're heading towards marriage and you know you shouldn't be, break it off, break it off, turn, repent, turn around, ask for God's forgiveness and come back. Come back, whatever it is. I don't know what your thing might be. I don't know what it is. But don't let go of community and ultimately God in order to hold on to your sin. Don't do that. Don't do that. The more you remove yourself, the harder you're going to make your heart and the harder you're going to make it to return to the fault. And so hear God speaking to you today. My son, my daughter, let go. Turn. Turn. Trust me. Come back. Come back. Remember this, guys. Jesus had a crew. Jesus had 12 people. He had, he had his disciples he, did, he, he modeled this for us. He did life with these people. And I want to encourage you, if, if you're someone here maybe who, who, and I could be speaking to the, the converted in the choir. That's cool. But if you are here and you come maybe one in four, one in five, one in six, if this is you, I want to encourage you next year, make a commitment. Make a commitment to come every Sunday you're in town on a Sunday. Come and join us. Come and experience Christian community. And if you've maybe been with us for a while and maybe you've been on the fringes and you haven't connected into one of our life groups, Come January, I want to encourage you. Make a commitment. There's a board outside that you can go and see today with a whole bunch of hopefully friendly faces. It's our life group leaders. Contact them. Take their numbers down. Contact them in January. Get stuck in. Get stuck in. And if you're here and you're not a Christ follower, the invitation right now for you is, I just want to say, keep visiting. Keep asking questions. Keep exposing yourself to Christ follows in this community, because what I hope you'd see is if you hung around our community enough, you'd get a glimpse into who Jesus is, and you'd get a glimpse of, you get a glimpse into what he's inviting you into, and what life as a Christ follower could be like. So, seek Christian community despite all the challenges. Next thing, second thing for us to seek, is to seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit, When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Okay, in response to Mary's greeting, John, little fetus John there, leaps in Elizabeth's womb. 
And almost, almost seems like in reaction to that, or in, you know, she is filled with the Holy Spirit. And then seemingly in response to that, Elizabeth then blesses Mary with these loud cries, full of joy, full of faith. She encourages her faith. She worships the baby in, in, Mary's, room, in, in Mary's womb. So let's just talk a moment briefly about this thing of being filled with the Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, let me just say just briefly, it's not a technical term. It's not a technical term. The Bible is actually not a book full of technical terms. And so I don't think typically it's referring to what we could call the indwelling of the Spirit. When you trust in Christ and the Holy Spirit comes and just takes up residence in you, that's in all Christ followers at all times. It's the moment that you've trusted in Jesus. Often, when you hear this term, what it's meaning is a special enabling that's happening, okay? The Holy Spirit comes upon someone or a group to empower them to often speak things or do things for the purposes of God. That's one of the main ways that this, that this term is used. Other times, it's referred to what you can, Michael Eaton says this, it's a constant readiness to live for God and sort of cultivating the Spirit's work in your life. And often you read in scriptures and, and it might be a little hard to tell what exactly is being Refer to here, and that's okay. If you ask me, my opinion, in this text, I think there's no doubt a sort of special enabling that's happening, that's come, that has come upon Elizabeth, right? The Spirit comes, and immediately Elizabeth responds in this almost prophetic, encouraging blessing over Mary. And it's something that uh, God does. When, when, we, when we have a moment when the Holy Spirit comes and fills us, and he does that spontaneously, there's an overflow of his presence, his power, and then we act out of that. And in a sense, that's almost on God. Okay, there's, there's stories, D.L. Moody walking down the street, just, just doing his thing on a morning, and the Spirit just came upon him. Boom. It's like you can't necessarily um, plan for that or like just make that happen, right? <coughs> but, but, I do think that we can and should be people who are available, who are available, who are vessels set apart to be used by God in special, maybe even supernatural ways when he desires. And, and that's what I think is being referred to in that other use of the phrase that often comes up, be, be filled with the Spirit, that constant readiness to live for God, cultivating the Spirit's work in your life. No doubt Elizabeth has already been living a life of that, that made her available for this moment. And I want to just quickly go over to Paul in Ephesians chapter 5. Just listen to what he tells us there. He says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, notice there, we are commanded to be filled with the Spirit, to be filled by the Spirit. And the sort of fruit of that which we see here is this speaking and singing to one another, blessing one another, praising God, giving thanks to Him, being those who are humble towards each other. I think it's everything that we're seeing in this beautiful interaction between Elizabeth and Mary. You see it all there. And I think this is what makes Christian community so special. This should be one of the hallmarks of Christian community. People who are able to minister God's grace to one another. 
to be vessels of God's grace to each other. And maybe if the first part of this whole sermon so far has kind of been saying, seek community because see the blessings that you need from Christian community, see why you as an individual need Christian community, I think this point is saying, cool, and now get ready to be Christian community for others. Be part of the Christian community that can actually bless and serve and encourage others when no one else gets it, when people are full of doubt and full of discouragement. And how can we do this? How, how, okay, the honest question that should come to your mind here is, how do I obey a command to be filled by the Spirit? And I've got two thoughts for you, because if it's something that the Spirit does in you, how on earth do you do that? Two thoughts. The first is that we need to be people who are full of God's Word. Just listen to how Colossians 3 here sounds almost identical to Ephesians 5. Paul says this, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. There is something about the Word of God that sets a platform for the Spirit of God to be at work in our lives. And so I said it last week, but we need to be people who read and consume and meditate upon the Word of God in in prayer. And that's going to help us to cultivate the Spirit's activity in our lives. But then we need to combine it with something else. Combine it with something else. And that second thing is faith. Faith. We spoke about it last week as well, to be people who are actually not just reading, but prayerfully, hopefully, believing what we are reading. And I'll just read a John Piper quote here. He just says it so helpfully. We are commanded to be full, and yet we are not the filler. The Spirit is the filler. And the answer to this predicament in the New Testament is that God has ordained to move in our lives with fullness through faith. The pathway that the Spirit cuts through the jungle of our anxieties into the clearing of joy is the pathway of faith. Luke says of Stephen in Acts 6.5, he was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And he says of Barnabas in Acts 11, he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. The two go together. If a person is filled with faith, he will be filled with the Spirit, the Spirit of joy and peace. And we're meant to be people who overflow with the joy and the peace of God so that we can be a blessing to those around us, to those among us, okay? We need to be people who can call out faith in other people, who can, who can see it. When people are doubting, we can lift them up. When they're discouraged, we can point them to the goodness of God in their lives and, and not just say things, but just embody it, embody the joy and the peace of God to others. And I just want to remind you, I told you that story just now of me driving away from an event eight years ago and just wondering if the next morning I was just going to be full of doubt that I had heard God, even though it was the clearest God has ever spoken to me. I'm driving away. Moments later, after I had that thought, my phone went. There was a WhatsApp from a guy called Mike, one of the leaders, one of the guys that had prophesied over me that night. And the message said, Kyle, I just feel like you might be tempted to think that this was all a dream and in your head tomorrow morning when you wake up. 
but I need you to know that God met you powerfully tonight. Come on. That is spirit-filled communication. That is what I'm talking about. That is what we need. That is why we need spirit-filled community, because that was just, my gosh, I was like, I've heard God twice tonight now. I've heard God twice tonight now. But we're only going to be able to be people who can do this, who can give ourselves to these things that we need, that we need to be, that we need to receive, if we're going to be the last thing. If we're going to be people who seek to view the whole of our lives through the lens of the Lord's purposes in history, is if that is the big lens of how we view everything in life. Remember this, in our story, Elizabeth is 60 years of age, maybe older. She's lived her whole life wanting to have a baby. It's a massive thing for most women, okay, especially in her day with so many things tied to that. And then in our story, it finally happens for her. It finally happens for her. And it happens in this amazing, beautiful, miraculous way. But then if you just think about it in one sense, what happens is your teenage relative rocks up at your house who's not even married yet, and she's also pregnant. Talk about your thunder being stolen. Hey? And she's also pregnant, also in a miraculous way. Thunder being stolen. She's pregnant in a miraculous way that even trumps your miraculous pregnancy because there's not even a father involved here, and her son is not going to be the, the forerunner to the Messiah. Her son is going to be the Messiah. Guys, this is a perfect, if we're just talking in honest, human, sinful terms, this is the perfect recipe and justification for jealousy. Let's just be honest. We've all been there in different ways. Other people have something that we don't, that we've wanted, and they get it. Oh, whether it's different, you know, the approval of parents that your siblings seem to get, your boss's approval, approval of the opposite sex, whether it's career advancement, the praise of adoration. Honestly, it's sometimes, let's just be honest, it's just the stuff that other people have. They got that thing, they got that car, they got that TV, I saw their house on Instagram, whatever it might be. Let's just be honest, the feelings that come into our hearts there can be very real and very painful. And just imagine what it could have been for Elizabeth here. It can be so devastating for all of us, whatever that thing might be, unless we can find something else, something that what the Puritan writer Jeremiah Burroughs calls the rare jewel of Christian contentment, what the Apostle Paul's, Paul calls the great gain of godliness with contentment. And that is only going to come when every day we are renewing our minds to view our lives through the lens of the Lord's purposes of history, okay? We need to be radically God-centered and not us-centered with everything that is happening in our lives. To remind ourselves that our lives are just a part of his story. Like Mary, just to submit our lives to his word and the script that he is writing for our lives, whatever that might be. That life is not about our dreams and greatness, it's about his deeds and glory. That's what Elizabeth did. That's what Elizabeth did. She got it, and she was just like, the Messiah, my Lord, this is amazing. This is amazing. Because we can make our lives all about us, and we can wreck a million relationships in the process, and then let's just be honest, you and I are going to be forgotten in a few generations' time. 
or we can participate in the great purposes of God and be part of the story that's going to be sung about forever. It's kind of our choice. It's kind of our choice. So let me just end and let me call up the band. Come on up. I want to encourage us as Christ followers. The Spirit needs to do this, but I just want us all to see Jesus as the treasure in the field that He really is. To see Jesus as Lord and recognize, man, He is the thing that I can sell everything for to go and buy that field to get that treasure because He is worth it. He's worth prioritizing in my calendar and my budget and embracing awkwardness and, and, and saying no to sin so that I can be available to the Spirit. Jesus is absolutely worth it.